You love God's word? Amen. Amen. Look at verse 9. It says, Then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Father in heaven, Jesus is giving us a glimpse into what is going to take place in the last days. And Father, I pray that our spiritual ears would be open, that our spiritual eyes would be open. I pray, as Ephesians 1.18 says, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened this morning, that we would be able to grasp and receive the very spiritual conditions that will exist in the last days. And Father, if we are living in the last days, if many of us, many of us believe we are, Father God, I ask that you would help us discern the very day that we live in and live accordingly. Father, may we all live a life pleasing unto you, discerning the day, the time that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you're in agreement, say amen. Amen. You can be seated. So why in a series on offense did I choose this particular portion of, of Scripture? I believe that what we're going to look at today is going to be a clear indicator if you've got your ears on, if you've got your eyes open. It's going to be a clear indicator as to how deception will come because you'll see it. Throughout the New Testament, many will be deceived in the last days. We know that there is going to be a great apostasy in the last days that was prophesied, a great falling away. How could all of these things be true? How could God's people be so deceived? How could they be in church services for years, worshiping God, sitting under the word, and then end up deceived? I believe the answer to those questions are found in these verses. And so let's go after it today. Let me read Matthew 24, verse 10 in the New King James Version. It says, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. And none would argue that this is indeed speaking about the last days because that was the question that was posed to Jesus in the beginning of chapter 24. His disciples came to him and said, well, You know, what's it going to be like in the last days? What's going to go on? Notice how offense is the source of betrayal and hatred. And we're talking about the church here, and the Greek word is the word scandalizo. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of a great falling away in the last days. I want to be a part of a great revival in the last days. And I believe the difference between a falling away and a revival, it's offense. It's offense. Look at Matthew 24, 11, and I want you to see how far-reaching this is, just so that you don't think that this is some flippant message, and I think you're going to hear more and more messages preached on offense and unforgiveness and hardness of hearts as 
Jesus' return draws near. Verse 11 says, And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many. Listen, they'll deceive many. How can someone be deceived? Someone can only be deceived if they know the truth. And all of a sudden, they're now deceived. And keep in mind, deceived people don't know that they're deceived. That's why they're deceived. So for you to tell them, you're deceived, would make no sense to them. You're deceived. I'm not the one who's deceived. You're, you're deceived. The many that are deceived in verse 11 are the many that are offended in verse 10. You are subject and you are prone to deception when you are offended. You're subject and you're prone to deception when you're offended. Offended, deceived people will listen to false teaching and they'll listen to false prophets. So expect many false prophets to begin to pop up. There's a smattering here and there. I believe they're going to be popping up by the dozens in the last days to deserve to deceive God's people. And the only people that they're going to be able to deceive are the people that are offended. Offended people are prone to deception. Offended people are prone to betrayal. Offended people are prone to hatred. All of these things that are listed here, they all stem from offense. They all stem from your feelings getting hurt or you feeling rejected or you feeling abandoned. They, they all stem from that. And all of a sudden, Harboring an offense, you begin to stand in the place of judge and jury as if you know better when you're really speaking and you're really criticizing out of hurt that you've not gone. I'd say the greatest amount of damage to the church in the last days is going to come through offended people. Well, I used to be in leadership at that church there, and one day they said to me, I don't like your hair, I don't like your shirt, I don't like your pants, I don't like some, something. People get offended over the craziest things. I was told that I wasn't giving enough. I was told that I wasn't. People get offended over, over crazy, crazy things. And if we're involved in the church and if we're leaders in the local church and we're doing it all to please God, then why is it that something somebody said could so displease us that we no longer even care if we're serving God anymore and pleasing him? I said it years ago, and I believe it to be true, that people will leave a place where they're serving to go somewhere where they can be served. I believe offended people do that. I believe offended people are hurting so much so that, so that they'll never be hurt like that again. They've got to be in control so that they can orchestrate the environment so that they can't get hurt again. And it's a scary place to be. Look at verse 12 as we're building on this this morning. It says, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Sin will be rampant everywhere. The New King James says, lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness will abound. In fact, the Antichrist is called the man of lawlessness. So what's lawlessness? There is no law. I don't have to listen to anybody. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'll do what I want to do. And church, if we have ever been a lawless nation, I'd say it's right now. Whether you like him or not, he's our president, and I have never heard a president in my day and age 
I'll be 55 this year. I have never heard a president spoke in such, such disrespectful tones as we are in this day. It, it, entire, entire states are acting like they don't even have to, have to listen to him. And yet he's the leader of our country. Listen, if we're not going to listen to the president, then, you know, why should we listen to the police? Why should we listen to a teacher, to a coach, to, to whoever? And slowly but surely, lawlessness is creeping into our nation, justified or not. It's creeping into our nation because we don't like the decisions that are being made. We don't like the way that this is going down. We don't like the way that that is going down. I just want to say this. If God has placed someone in authority, I would not mess with the authority that God has placed them in. And keep in mind that authority is an office that someone occupies for a period of time because no one lives forever. And if you do not honor the office, you do not honor what God has placed. I've never seen such disrespect for police. I've never seen such disrespect for the highest office of the land. And when we as parents condone that, we pass on that same lawless spirit to our children and our children's children. You don't have to listen to them. I mean, back in the day when you got in trouble at school, you got in trouble at home. Back in the day, teachers could lay hands on you and painfully. So, man, you do that now and it's lawsuit central or, you know, the parents are rushing down. You have no right to lay your hands on the kid. I'm not saying that everything that teachers did back in the day was right, but I know that there was respect in that classroom because I don't know about you, but getting your knuckles hit with a ruler was not a good time. Not saying that ever happened to me. I was a good kid. <laughs> only my buddies, only my buddies. Oh my gosh, I can remember, you know, teachers grabbed me by the ear. And if I would have come home and told my parents that, my parents would have questioned me about me, not me about the teacher. Lawlessness means to behave with complete disregard for the laws or regulations of a society. I'm going to do what I want to do. As if laws don't matter anymore. As if they don't come into play anymore. I believe we are there today. And notice as a, res as a result, it says the more that the lawlessness abounds, I believe the closer we are to Jesus' return. It says the love of many will grow cold. Please note that in your Bible because it's very important because that word love there is not just any kind of love. It's the very love of God. The Bible says that when you and I become Christians and we invite Jesus into our heart, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. And so for the love of God to grow cold, that means that it was once in the heart and it has grown cold now. And the many that are offended and deceived are going to grow cold to God's love that once burned bright and once burned hot in the heart, and they're going to grow cold to it. This can only mean that they once were walking with Jesus and once were loving Jesus and once receiving the love of God, and now they've grown cold to the love of God, deceived and lawless. They betray and they hate one another. And when it says one another, we're talking Christians, a Christian to another.
I am convinced that lawlessness is the fruit of an offended spirit on any level. Lawlessness is the fruit of an offended spirit. I believe our nation is offended and becoming more lawless by the second. Yeah, but Pastor John, I thought these verses were about the church. They are. And so in order for the church to be effective in these last days, the church is going to have to face its fears and it's going to have to reach out. Scary territory for the church. The church has had a history in turbulent times of shutting its doors and closing its, its doors as if what's going on is here in here doesn't have anything to do with what's going out what's going on out there. But the Bible calls us salt and light. And I don't know about you, but if we were to turn all the house lights up really high and you were to turn the flashlights on your phones, um, the light wouldn't seem to be as effective, but if we were to turn all the lights off and one person with their phone turned a light on, how much more effective would it be? As salt and light, we are meant to be an influence out there. And the days are coming when it's going to be harder and harder and harder for us to be an influence without fear of repercussion, and we're already beginning to see that. Already beginning to see that. The church must face its fears and reach out even further than it has to break the back of offense. To break the back of offense. And you know what I think is working towards strengthening offended people, the fact that more and more and more people are texting and they're, they're emailing and they're not talking face to face. I don't know about you, but if I am going to break a fence, I am going to sit with somebody face to face and talk to them eye to eye because so much gets misunderstood. I mean, you can try to send all the emojis that you want, but you can only communicate so much. There's nothing like face-to-face -face communication. And I've always told my boys, don't you dare tell a girl that you love them through a text that you don't have the guts to tell them face-to-face. -face. Any coward can do that. And the church in the last days, they're going to have to work through their offenses, and they're going to have to be willing to confront the offenses of others. Isn't it amazing that the Bible says that if you are bringing your gift at an altar and there and there are reminded that someone has an offense with you or has a problem with you, you're to leave your gift and you're to go to them. You don't have a problem with them. You know they have a problem with you. Whole new level, isn't it? Now we need to go to the people that we know have a problem with us. Pastor John, I do not want to talk to people that I know have a problem with me. Hey, I don't either. I don't either. But I know this, nothing, nothing ever gets taken care of if you are not willing to go to the people that you know have an issue with you. Go ahead and pray your face off, but biblically, you should go to them. You should go to them. And I think sometimes we hide behind our prayers as if we're the one that's more spiritual in the matter. The Bible says, you who are spiritual, restore the fallen brother. I don't think that is speaking about just hanging back and, and praying. Pastor John, I have been praying for them for days, weeks, months, and years. Maybe you need to go to them. 
Maybe you need to go to him and say, hey, this is crazy. Whoa. How did, this, how did this start? You know what you're going to hear him say? You know what, I, it's been so long, I don't even know if I remember how it started. And you know what, everybody that has this gap and this distance between them and another, you know what all of them want? All of them want for that gap to be closed, and they want restoration, they want healing. They don't, you think they like that? You think they like wondering if you're going to be in the store when they go there? You think they like wondering if you're going to be at that family gathering so they got to see you again? You think they enjoy that? How many people stay away from church because they're offended? Isn't it amazing? The very place that they're to come and they're to be exhorted and they're to be built up and they're, being, and they're to be encouraged, they stay away because they're offended because they just don't like the way something went down. I, serious? Church, I believe that we need to be willing to go to them. Go to them. Pastor John, what do I do? Go to them. I don't know how many times I've said that as if it's such wisdom, would you just go to them? Would you just sit down and talk to them? Pastor John, I don't, I don't know. I don't like confrontation. Do you like healing? Do you like restoration? Then go. Then go. And you would be amazed in five, ten minutes. You would be amazed at what could take place. You'd be amazed. And even as I'm saying these things right now, you're thinking of people. And I just want to say this, church. If we're going to truly be faithful to the name of this church, if you know Christians out there that are offended, brothers and sisters that you once sat in a seat next to and worshiped God next to, that once hugged and said you'd love them, and you were a part of that offense, then, then go to them. Then go to them. Then go to them. Man, miss you. Man, miss praying with you. Man, miss encouraging you with Scripture. Man, miss worshiping next to you. I could tell you story after story that I've heard over the years. A single, a single, a single moment. A, one person saying one thing has kept people away from the church for years. I know of individuals that don't come to church because they were asked to pray in public and they weren't comfortable doing that and it so offended them that they never came back. I know people that don't come to church and haven't been to church in years because somebody made a comment about them to them and it just hit them and struck them in such a wrong way that they don't come back to church anymore. I know people that don't come to church because people that they're mad at attend that church and they don't want to be in the same church that they're in. When I was a little kid, we used to sing a song that says they'll know we are Christians by our love. And can I challenge you with this while we're being so bold this morning? Are we really Christians if we're harboring offense? I don't know about you, but when I think about offense and unforgiveness and I think about what it means to be a Christian, I have a hard time feeling that they're compatible. I have a very difficult time feeling that they're compatible. And I'll give you two scriptures that would support that, and I think I've read them to you before, if not in week one, if in week two of this series. We know the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. 
depending on how you were raised and what kind of domination. It says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So our being forgiven is conditional on our forgiving. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, there's two more verses, verses 14 and 15 in Matthew 6. The prayer begins in verse 9, goes to verse 13. Two verses after that, 14 and 15, say this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, then neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. We know Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven will forgive you. Seems pretty clear to me that if I am going to walk in a healthy relationship with God, I must walk in a healthy relationship with others. And I do not know how we can have a healthy relationship with other people if we are not talking to them, if we are not willing to speak about the hard things. Pastor John, I do not want to have somebody tell me my shortcomings. I, I don't, I'm, that's very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for everybody. But the Bible says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another for healing, James 5, 16. How can healing ever take place if there's no confession and there's no prayer? And if I'm understanding this biblically, the confession comes before the prayer. I think there's a lack of healing in the church because nobody's confessing anything to anyone anymore. Well, I text him the other day and I... I let them know that I was upset. I even sent them the poop emoji, and they, 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 they know that I was unhappy. Listen, if you aren't willing to talk to them, then please don't be so shocked that things aren't cool. But don't do that. It's the first thing that I'm going to ask you. Have you talked to them? Well, I'm, we've texted. We've, we've emailed. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Have you talked to him? Talk to him. Pastor John, I don't know if I want to, and maybe they don't want you to either, but it's probably what's best. It's probably healthy. And isn't that relationship? Isn't it amazing? The Bible doesn't say that the fingers are the lamp of the soul. It says the eyes are. It says the eyes are. The eyes are the lamp of the soul. And there's just something about being able to look into somebody's eyes and say, you know what? When you said that, when you did that, you hurt me. And I don't want to stay hurt. How hard is it to say, is everything cool? Are we okay? How hard is it to say, what do I got to do to make this right? I'm sorry. Never claimed to be the brightest bulb in the pack. How can I make this right? There are relationships that Lisa and I are enjoying to this day simply because we had an awkward 10, 15 minute, 20 minute, half an hour conversation that I'm so glad we did. There are relationships that are, 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 are cold right now. Hearts have turned cold to you because those conversations haven't happened. They haven't happened. And they, and they need to. They need to. Let's finish with Matthew 24. Let's look at 13 and 14. It's kind of quiet in here, but I'm believing the message is good anyway. 
Look at verses 13 and 14. It says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So, Pastor John, what do we do then? Well, we do what the church has always done. We endure. We, we endure. I want to show you this in another light. Go to Hebrews chapter 10 with me. Last portion of Scripture. Hebrews 10. I'll begin reading in verse 35. If you're there, say amen. Says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you'll receive all that he's promised for in a little while the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out and say that the ones who turn away are the ones that are offended, the ones that have been rejected, the ones that have been abandoned. I'm not advocating the things that have been said to people. I know that I've said things that I wish that I wouldn't have. I'm not an advocate for, for wrong things said, but I, I am saying this, that don't you dare let something that someone said keep you detached and separated from the body of Christ. You are easy prey for the enemy. And you are open to deception and you are open to even betraying ones that you once called brothers and sisters in Christ, even hating them. Oh, I hate them. Oh, I, I hate that church. The whole church is just awful. When one person said one thing to you, the whole church is bad. Oh, I hate church. I used to go to church. I used to love going to church. I hate it now. Just a bunch of hypocrites. You're going to judge an entire body of believers of which Jesus is the head, I remind you. So if you hate his body, you can't like him very much. Stands to reason. Because of something one person did or said, you're going to throw away all of that. You're going to throw away fellowship. You're going to throw away corporate worship. You're going to throw away sitting under the word of God, all of which are benefits to you. 1 John 1, 7 says that there's a cleansing fellowshipping one with another. We know from Psalms that when we worship God, that God inhabits the praises of his people. In corporate worship, God inhabits that praise, and he comes and he meets you there. The language suggests a marrying of God to his people in the middle of worship. It's the language that is used speaking of a, of a groom who's proposed to his future bride takes a year, goes and prepares a place for them, and then marries her and brings her back to the place that he prepared for her. That's what that language means. God inhabits, he marries, he marries you in the praises. You want to be in the corporate presence of God. You want to be in church worshiping with the saints. You want to be there. You want to be there. The Bible says that where two or more are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Anything that separates you from the body of Christ is not healthy, and if you stay away, you are not healthy. And I'm not saying that this is a church for everyone, but I believe this is a good church. 
I believe it's a healthy church, and we want you to consistently attend. Anything that can keep you away, other than the sickness or disease, anything that can keep you away from being with brothers and sisters in Christ cannot possibly be good. It cannot be good. All of these things that we've just read are indicators that Jesus is surely coming soon. And so my question to you as we close is, are you in need of endurance today? Are you in need of endurance today? What you are in need of is patient endurance. Some things you just endure. I cannot believe they said that. Endure it. I cannot believe they said that to my spouse. I can't believe they said that to my kid. Endure it. I cannot believe that Pastor John said that from the pulpit. Endure it. I can't believe that they sang that song. Endure it. I can't believe that they looked at me that way, forgot to shake my hand or, warm, or warmly greet me when I walked into the church. Endure it. Endure it. And whatever you do, there's a number that I want to be included in, and it's not the offended in the last days. Because if you stay offended... Someone one day is going to come and preach a message that's tainted and it's off and it's laced with bitterness and vengeance and you are going to be in agreement with it. I'll close with a story. It's good to see Jimmy Swaggart back and preaching on TV and with a ministry, again, I'm going to only assume that God's restored him. But when he fell, I had friends that were at his Bible college. I mean, you're talking guys that were so radical for God. They were down on South Division witnessing to pimps and prostitutes and even bringing some to church. Just radical, radical men of God. When Jimmy fell, it so hurt them and so wounded them. And a lot of times we don't realize the damage that a fallen leader can do to a people. But these guys got so critical and so cynical and they became mockers. And they started watching preachers on TV that were just, it was like a, it, it was like a joke. I'm, I can't even believe they got airtime. I don't even know how they got sustained to be on TV. I mean, it was just like a total slap in the face. And the only reason why they would listen to preachers like that is because they were hurt and they're offended. I know this. In order to keep my heart right as a pastor, I don't want to court numbers. I don't want to court giving. I want to court his presence. I want to court God. I, I, want, I want more of God. And if I am going to get more of God, then I can't have anything in the way between, between him and me. There, there can't be any obstacle that I've allowed in there. That person that said that or did that. or Man, one at one point we were walking arm in arm, soldiers for Christ, and the next minute, where'd they, 
where'd they go? And you, you cannot remain there. And if we're Christians, then we cannot have a lot of people issues. We're supposed to be people reachers, not people critics and not people judgers. And well, Pastor, Christians shouldn't do this or that. I got an idea. Let's let God determine who the Christians are. Let's just decide to be one. And I'm going to be mindful of my own house and my relationship with God, and I'm going to try to reach out to people. And I'm not going to have a checklist of do's and don'ts that I think people who call themselves Christians should abide by. If they are, don't worry. You'll know. You'll know. I just don't want my heart getting off. I don't want to get offended. I don't want to get up here spitting venom and preaching all kind of poisonous stuff. I don't want a bunch of cuss words coming out of my mouth because there's so much bitterness in my heart, so much anger that I haven't resolved. Purposely making choices that are a great big in-your-face to the, to the church. Well, I was once this and that in the church, and now the heck with them. I'm going to do what I want to do. Man, that's not... It's becoming a little bit lawless. It's almost like we're saying, God, would you please bless my endeavors, but I don't plan on reaching out to anybody. And I don't know how we can do that as Christians. Ask God to bless bless our efforts, but not ask God to bless our reach. I believe the church that flourishes is going to be the church that reaches the most, the furthest. The church that extends themselves, the church that lays its life down one for another because it loves so much. I think that's the challenge that's before us, church, here in Ionia. Will we reach a little bit further? Will we be willing to say, you know what, this one's on me. I'm, I'm the one to blame. You know, man, I'm sorry. I, how can I make it right? And I say that because if, if it's genuine repentance, it's not in word only, it's in deed too. So if you're genuinely sorry, you typically will do something. Man, hey, can I, can I buy you lunch? Can I, can I, you know, I'm sorry. You know what? I know that I've been waiting for you to, to pay me, and it's been a real sore spot. I'm figuring because you haven't done so yet, it's probably because you're hurting and you're not capable. You know what? Here's a hundred bucks. Forget the debt. Could we use it? Sure, we'll be okay. Here you go. That's crazy, isn't it? Who but a Christian would do something nuts like that? And if we're not careful, we're going to begin to make decisions based on our past hurts. And we're going to be colored. going to be prone to offense. Pastor John, I'm good as long as nobody does this to me ever again. Pastor John, I'm good as long as nobody ever calls me this ever again. You know what? I found that it's God who calls you and he's faithful. And he's there to help you. 
don't know about you, but the first thing that I do before I ever have to go and talk to anybody is I do my best to make sure that my heart is reconciled to God. God, I, I, I want to be good before you. I, I want to be right before you. I don't have it all going on, but I know this much. I, I want to make sure that, that, that we're cool, that we're cool. God, I got to know that we're cool. And I just want to close by praying over you today. If you'd close your eyes with me, I want to talk to two groups of people.